Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to the Rinkside Rundown Podcast, your ultimate destination for all things women's hockey with your host, Chris Sinclair, proud member of the Hockey Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to episode number six of the Rinkside Rundown Podcast. Today I am joined by the one, the only, Taylor Cook a graduate of St. Thomas University, a former youth sports and professional goaltender, a mental performance coach, and host of the podcast, The Athletic Mind. Taylor, this is a long time coming. I'm super excited to have you on the show. How are you? Yeah, it's great to be here. I know we've talked so much about coming on and with the time zones, it's always a challenge for me to nail down a time that works for everybody. So I appreciate the early morning for you and a little bit of a later night for me, but that's totally okay. I'm really happy to be here. Oh, fantastic. Yes, this is the earliest recording we've ever I've ever done for the show. Uh, so I had to hustle a little bit more this morning, but that's all right. This is totally worth it. So I'm ex- like I said, I'm excited to have you on. Yeah, I, absolutely. So let's let's get into it. I'm excited to be here. I've listened to all the episodes and I'm not one to like listen to podcasts kind of like that type of loyalty, but I've really enjoyed all of the ones you've done so far. So like it's it's an honor to be here, honestly. And I promise I didn't pay her to say that. So I appreciate <laughs> it very much. <laughs> I appreciate you uh, you following the, po- the podcast, the stories that uh, I've been fortunate enough to be able to be a part of uh, and share uh, that's what this is all about, and I'm really, really excited about uh, about those prior episodes, but especially this one. So let's get into it. Let's start mm-hmm. all the way back at the beginning. It just feels like a natural spot for us to start. Mm-hmm. You were born in Brantford, Ontario. Yep. Um, was hockey or sports or were hockey and sports a big thing for you uh, and the family growing up? Yeah, I mean, I think... I mean, I was always like a sporty kind of gal anyway, Um, but I started playing hockey when I was three or four years old. So I was on skates from a really young age. Like I always say, from the time I could walk, I could skate. This is really what my my uh, beginning was, I guess. Um, But my dad used to play hockey when he was younger. And my mom tells me like that's not the reason that that she like wanted to put me in. It was actually who said like, yeah, like Taylor should be in hockey. And so that's what really got it all started. Um, but yeah, I, I started really young. I was actually a player for two years. Not like a lot of people know that. Um, I was really bad. So I only have one goal. My mom has it literally like framed with like the old school, like hockey cards as well. So it's like my first goal with that. I think she has it on the like hanging somewhere in the house still. So funny. Um, but yeah, I ended up getting into goaltending really young and it just kind of stuck. And here we are almost over 25 years later, which is crazy to think. Wow. So, okay. I was going to actually ask, uh, so I'm going to jump a little bit ahead here, but I was going to actually ask, was it like, uh, was it goaltending or bust for you or were like, what, what led you down the road to goaltending, um, as opposed to a different position? in Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
when so like when I was younger and I'm actually pretty lucky I think because a lot of girls especially around like my age who played from a young age they ended up playing with the boys teams whereas there were so many girls in Brantford that were playing I was able to just join in and play with the girls team um but anyway yeah like nobody really wanted to play goalie so one of the rules at that young age was like everybody had to rotate through every position which included goaltending and I went in and I just never came out. I just really enjoyed it. I don't know if it, like the purpose behind it or anything, um, but yeah, like once I was in that that position once, it was that was it. Like I was, this is where I want to be. So weird goalie things, I guess. It's uh, it's interesting. I uh, I've played goaltender exactly one time on the ice. I, I'm I'm much better without skates on. You put skates on me, and I can barely do anything at all. I went down into a butterfly once, and I could not for the life of me get out of that butterfly position. So I played the rest of the period on my knees because I just could I couldn't get up. Uh, I also didn't have edge uh, like the edge work or like the proper skates to be able to play that position. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, it was very much the opposite. So I absolutely respect and appreciate the the, uh, the fact that you you it, maybe d- in spite of the uh, the training or, or you know all that sort of stuff that goes into that position that you still found a way to say like I'm staying here. This is me. This is my life. So that's that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't really know the reason why. It was just like a gut feeling. I don't know. Even at that young age, like have the gut feeling of thinking, like, yeah, this is where I want to be. Like, this is where I should be is kind of strange to think of, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's a, a little bit surreal. Um, what made you, speaking of um, goaltending and, and, and hockey, what made you fall in love with the sport of hockey? What was it about that you just like drew you to it and then kept you with it? That's such a good question. And I wish that I could give like a really strong answer for it. But when you have like this deep love and passion for something, it gets, sometimes it's just so hard to put words into it. You know, like I just really enjoyed being on the ice when I was younger. And like, it was just a fun place for me to be like, that's where everything started. It was just like the base and foundation of it was just having fun and like having really good relationships and and memories with my friends at that young age. And um, I don't know, like, I feel like it was just like, eat, sleep, go to school and go to the rink. Like, that's really what my my youth was. Um, Yeah, it's hard to say, like, even to this day, like, I love playing hockey. Like, there's, there's nothing more to it than that. It's just something that's like, just sits like right deep in my chest. And when I think about like being on the ice, like, there's no time or anything. Like, it's just, this is where I am and and that's it. I don't know how else to explain it. Maybe that sounds like really woo-woo-y. I don't know, but I don't know. No, so for me, that just sounds like, you know, there's certain things in life where you don't necessarily need to have some sort of profound answer or a profound reason for loving what you're doing. It's just, it's just a calling. And it's just like, that's what it was meant, that it was just meant to be this. And that's totally mm-hmm. fine. That's a, that's, a, that's a great answer. And that's what it sounds like happened here is just this is just a calling this is just what you were meant to do yeah yeah i think you're i think you're right for sure Mm -hmm. all right well as you were growing up did you have any mentors either on or off the ice that really helped you um in the game um uh, you know whether it was understanding the game whether it was elevating your game what have you did you what were who were some of those mentors for you growing up 
Mm. Yeah, it's again another good question. Um, so for for those who are maybe my age and like play play at hockey at a young age, they maybe understand like there wasn't a lot of resources in women's hockey or like girls hockey at a young age. So a lot of the times like the coaches were just like dads from the team that wanted to help out and like rah rah and, and be there for the girls and stuff. Um, and as a goalie, like it's even harder to like find a goalie coach where I was at that time too. Like that was just not really a thing. Um, so yeah, a lot of like my really young mentors were just like dads from the team who were helping out and like really believed in me and were like really like lifting me up in that kind of sense. Um, giving me a, some like pep talks or advice where they could. And I can remember like one, two, three, three from before I got into junior like three dads from like the three teams that I played on and each of them were like a little bit different in their own way. Um, but they were so supportive and so uh, helpful. But outside of that, like in terms of like mentors, once I got into junior, for example, um, that's when I got access to so much more resources. So I went from like being on teams where, you know, we didn't have skills sessions and we didn't really have like an off ice training regimen or anything like this. It was just like, Hey, we have practice on these days, show up and that's it, you know? Um, but yeah, once I got to junior, it was like, we had an off ice coach. We had, I had access to a goalie coach. And then all of a sudden it was just like a coach who knew what they were talking about and really provided much more like player development in terms of like, you know, kind of the the characteristics that you need to have if you want to get to that next level and kind of helping build up like discipline and that type of thing. Um, yeah, so couple like Stacy, so Stacy Monarch, she was one of my coaches from a young young time uh, in junior. Great, great woman, uh, super, super nice, uh, really funny, but she really helped me along, uh, especially like transitioning from being in teams where like not very many people knew or like heard of these teams. There's like, you know, like no one really cared to going into like a really reputable organization that like pumped out team Canada, pumped out NCAA U sports athletes. Like it's their job. Um, so she was definitely like one of the, the big mentors for me when I was kind of in that trans transitional phase from, you know, going from like, young to okay like now we want to actually like do something with this so we have to put in extra work and extra hours um yeah and now a word from our sponsor this episode is sponsored by durant barristers durant barristers is a proud supporter of women's sports and is an inaugural sponsor of the ringside rundown podcast Durant Barristers provides legal services for athletes, coaches, officials, administrators, and sports associations of all sizes, from minor associations to national sports organizations and professional sports environments. We routinely assist with safe sport complaints, investigations, anti-doping, harassment, discrimination, abuse, and governance matters. We also provide representation on general civil litigation matters, including employment, and business disputes of all sizes. Durant Barrister's founder, Aaron Durant, also provides mediation and arbitration services to assist in managing disputes in a timely and affordable manner. Durant Barrister's has generously offered their best ever discount to fans and supporters of women's hockey. 
Mention the Rinkside Rundown podcast to, wait for it, receive 15% off all your accounts with Durant Barristers for the duration of your relationship with the firm. To learn more about Durant Barristers, visit www.durantbarristers.com. That's www.durantbarristers.com. Thank you to Durant Barristers for sponsoring this episode. And now, back to the show. So, so what was the... I, I guess what was some what were some of the differences between your coaches early on, who, as you've shared, were just basically dads who, you know, had players on the team, to then more in, into junior, and what kind of how did that the the difference how did that impact you? How do you feel that impacted your career? Yeah, so I think for me, like especially at the young age, where like I said, like I didn't have like a goalie coach that I was working with that like really knew what they were doing to like help me get to that next level, but had these dads who were really supportive and like the pep talks that they gave me, like I said, like they were awesome. They really helped me to like maybe focus, focus on some things and kind of develop a little bit of off ice, like mentality in that kind of sense. And so, yeah, like at that age, it was really just like hard work, hard work, hard work. Like sometimes the technique was just not there. Like I remember one of my, one of the dads, he was like, you look like a fish out of water, (laughs) but you stop the puck and that's what matters most. And, and uh, so like, yeah, it was just like really hard work when I was younger, but like getting into that junior phase, it was much more uh, structured in that sense where it was like, okay, like, yeah, you have a really good work ethic. And that's actually one of the reasons why I ended up playing for this junior team. And I can like tell you a little bit about that afterwards, but Basically, it was like, yeah, you have great work ethic, but now we need to pair that with technique. We need to get working on these things because once you start to develop those skills further, that's when you're going to be able to hit that next level. Um, So I think like not having that at a young age really just like was, again, like just the hard work, then pair that with the structured technicality training. Like that's really what has um, kind of helped to propel me to get to like university, for example. Well, that, that, I feel like that's a perfect, I, I appreciate the setup here. That was a perfect segue <laughs> into your collegiate career. Um, and this is the part of the show that, I, I mean, there's so many parts of the show that I love, but I really love just taking an opportunity to kind of pump your tires, to kind of give you an opportunity to, to, to you know, relish in your accomplishments. And so I'm going to do that now. Uh, you attended, as I had mentioned off the top, uh, St. Thomas University, where over your five seasons with the club, you played in 42 games. You were a starter in 40 of them. You averaged a 919 save percentage and a 2.12 goals against, as well as a 26-14-0 record. And one of the things that I love seeing uh, is this stat, which is your 650 winning percentage over your time with, with the club. That's incredible. Congratulations. First of all, I know that sometimes, you know, these things, you're, wherever you are, your junior career, your collegiate career, sometimes it flies by. So sometimes it's nice to kind of also reflect. First of all, before we get into any, anything else, like what, what does it mean to you? Maybe just stats and it doesn't really matter anything to you, but what does it mean to you to hear the success that you had during your collegiate career? Yeah, it's a good question. Cause like, I was never really much of a stats person. Like 
I didn't really focus too much on the stats. Um, maybe like in some years where I was like really pushing hard and doing really well, I might have like take a put took a peek here or there, but otherwise, like I didn't really think about them too much. Um, yeah, it, it's so hard because like I feel like it's so easy to undermine your own experience a lot of the time. And like I think back and I'm and I even like thinking, you know, some of the girls who have all or, like previously been on this podcast, for example, like it's so easy to fall into like that comparison role. Like I've never played for national team. I didn't play for NCAA school. Um, but nonetheless, like the percentage of girls or just athletes in general that make it to university level is like one percent from high school. So like you still have to um be a little bit like self-compassionate. So I like that's something I'm working on. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I, when I think back to, to like university, I'm, I'm so happy uh, more or less of like the place that I chose because I feel at that age, you know, especially like NCAA was like the place to be. Everybody wants to go NCAA Div 1, you know? Um, but I had the opportunity to go uh, to Mankato in Minnesota and it was either that or to go to St. Thomas. And I was like, mm, I'm not really feeling this other place. So like for me, I really depend on my gut feeling a lot of the time. Like I pretty in tune and like intuitive in that sense. And like basically after I had my, my official visit out to St. Thomas, like I knew a hundred percent that this is like exactly where I want to be. And best five years of my life easily, like such a great team. Uh, we had, I want to say like 10 or 11 first years in my first year. So we had a really big incoming group, uh, just full of shenanigans and we got really close and, and we stayed together for like four or five years. Most of us were there for five. Um, but yeah, it was just like such a great experience overall. And to like finish out, my my time there we won our very first team uh aus championship title so that was like a really really nice way to commemorate like five years of of you know hard work and being with such a great team yeah and and you kind of uh you you mentioned it but uh, to, to your point most people or most women choose the w, w uh, the ncwa route uh mm -hmm. instead of u sports i mean especially Obviously, especially Canadians will typically go to the States uh, to continue their their collegiate career. Could you tell me, like, what again, a little bit more about um, why you chose the U Sports? Uh, I guess it was CIS at that point, but now it's U Sports um, uh, route. And how did that ultimately help shape your career? Yeah, so I think, I mean, like one of the biggest reasons why I chose to go uh, CIS or, or U sports is because I never solely saw like hockey as being like a, like long-term career option, right? Like there was no real professional league, like we see now with the PW and even like, okay, before even going into university, I had no idea that European leagues even existed at that point in time. So like my thought process was I need to make sure that I'm going to a school where I'm also going to be getting a good education and an education that's right for me because I've already heard at that point, like so many stories of girls who have gone NCAA go to a school and get some degree that they don't even care about after four years. And then they graduate and lo and behold, they realize, Oh, this isn't going to like transition back over to Canadian. So 
I have to go back to school and then it's just more like more time. Right. So that's kind of like what, what one of my reasoning behind making that choice was. Um, but yeah, like I said, like going on that official tour, getting to actually see the school, going to the rink and getting a feel for what it was like. And, and of course, I mean, coach Pete, like for sure was like, you know, making sure we were making all the right stops in the sense of like taking us to the golf club for dinner and shit like this. Right. Sorry. If, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to swear on here, yeah, but we're, we're going, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like it was just a really great first experience to like be with the girls and, and that kind of stuff. So having, um, having both the foresight to think about like career beyond hockey and also, making sure that I was going to a university that was a good fit for me and not me trying to fit in with it was like really um, a big selling selling point for me. Awesome. And, and just to kind of expand on that, um, how, like, what was that, what was the impact of going to St. Thomas, like on your, um, obviously it sounds like certainly uh, off the ice, there was a huge profound uh, impact there, but uh, what was the impact for you on the ice as well? Um, yeah, I, I learned a lot, first of all. So, um, like I said, we had a lot of girls coming in my first year and that meant that it was me and another goalie. So my, my goalie partner, uh, Abby Clark. So we were both in our first year and there was no other goalies. So like, we really had to like outwork each other and like prove that we deserve to have that starting spot. So like on the ice, I think it really taught me like, I, I need to be pushing all the time. Um, even if it's not maybe going as fast as I want, but making sure that there's like good quality in the reps that I'm doing. Um, those types of things. I think it really taught me like a lot about being a teammate too. Cause like, I didn't start, like you said, like I didn't start like every, every year uh, we, we flip flopped and then coach would make a decision. I started for like two years of my three there. First year we like flip flop 50, 50 until playoffs. And so, um, yeah, it really taught me like how to be like a, a good teammate in that sense, because as a goalie is, and maybe you know this or, or not, but it's obviously like not the place that you want to be like second string. You don't want to be on the bench. You don't want to be like in that position. That's not where you want to be. Um, but I do think that there's so much that you can learn from those moments too, not just about like yourself, but also about your performance and where you can be like getting better. And like, that's one of the biggest things that I learned in my first year, uh, was like taking responsibility and being accountable for my performance because, uh, ultimately like that's why I never ended up starting in that first season was because coach like pulled me aside at the end of the year and was like, you have to take responsibility for your performance like there's there's nothing more to it than that and there's nothing less you can't be pointing the finger at someone else you have to recognize when you made a mistake and you have to own it you can't be be pointing anywhere else you have to take that responsibility and so like after having that conversation um it's it's really like stuck with me not just in hockey but outside of the ring too and i feel like like hockey has just taught me so much um as a person and um as a player, as, as an athlete, as now a coach. So yeah, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> it absolutely does. And as you were 
uh, answering that, I, I immediately felt like I was hearing someone who was a, a mental performance coach. Like there was a lot, it sounds as though there were a lot of things that you learned throughout your career. Um, I don't want to say adverse uh, adversity that you had to overcome, but like, it sounds like that also had played an impact. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. In, in where you're at now. Yeah, absolutely. It did. Like there's so many things that, that came up as challenges or obstacles or, or whatever you want to call them. But yeah, I had to face a lot when I was in school like it, it was went beyond just like hockey, but yeah, of course, like being, being benches was one of the first things that like really got me into, okay, like I have to make sure that I'm here 100% and I'm like dedicated, putting all the time in, putting more time in, for example. Um, yeah, but even like later on, you know, I, I faced some like mental health struggles when I was in my third and fourth year. Um, so like having to learn how to manage the mental health with everything else that I had going on too. Um, and obviously like being a student and an athlete is like really difficult. I don't know. That's, that's not the word that I was looking for, but it's really difficult, honestly. Um, so yeah, there's, there's definitely lots of, of lessons learned from hockey, from school. And I try to make sure that I take those uh, forward into my everyday life, but also like making sure that I relate that in my, my work with clients and athletes too, because there's so much that you can learn from listening to other people's experiences, I think. And there's so much value that they hold. So try not to like undermine those and how can I use those for, for my betterment, for someone else's betterment. And yeah. And now a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by sports nutritionist, Melissa Bifunos of MB Performance Nutrition. As a former competitive hockey player turned nutritionist, Melissa's mission is to help the next generation of hockey players optimize their health and diets so they can perform their best on and off the ice. Ready to dominate on the ice? Melissa's new course, The Hockey Nutrition Blueprint, is opening soon. If you're serious about learning how nutrition can impact performance and building actionable nutrition strategies based on your unique needs, as an elite hockey player, get on the wait list today. Learn more and sign up at melissabufunos.com slash course. That's M-E-L-I-S-S-A-B-O-U-F-O-U-N-O-S dot com slash course. Thank you to Melissa Bufunos for sponsoring this episode. And now, back to the show. Throughout your throughout your career, I'm going to speak a little bit more spe uh, specifically on your your hockey career. Were there any idols that you uh, that you had growing up uh, that you maybe wanted to model your game after? I know when I spoke with uh, Naomi Rogi, uh, it was like Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, and you know that that kind of ilk. Um, mm -hmm. was there someone similar, not necessarily in the NHL, but anywhere that you kind of modeled your game after? Yeah, I wouldn't say I ever actually like modeled my game after anybody, but I definitely had some goaltenders who were like higher on my radar that I would like watch and really admired. So uh, some of those are like Roberto Luongo, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, of course, Kerry Price, like the big ones, of course. Uh, but when I was younger, like Ed Belfour, he was pretty big. 
Um, and it's, it's really unfortunate that there's not more like female goaltenders on that list, but Shannon Zapados from the Canadian hockey team, uh, she was always like the, the big one, I would say. Um, so yeah, those would be the ones that come off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's a, that's a, I'd say that's a pretty solid list of, uh, of, <laughs> of goaltenders. So yeah, absolutely. Um, your career, so we've kind of started at, in Brantford. Now we've gone to U Sports uh, or CIS slash U Sports. Now, you know, as your career progressed, you ended up going to places like Norway, like Kazakhstan. Could you tell me more about what those experiences were like? And, and ultimately, I think I already know the answer to this, but ultimately how they came to fruition. Oof, yeah. Um, so it, like elite prospects won't tell you this, but actually, so when I graduated university in 2019, um, I had absolutely no idea like what I was going to do. Like the thought of going to a job, for example, I don't know. I just want to play hockey, you know? Um, so originally what had happened was I had actually had a contact from a team in Kazakhstan um, and they were looking for a goalie to sign for three years because they were looking at qualifying for the Olympics and so my plan at that point in time was like, yeah, like I'm going to sign this contract. It's a three-year deal. Like the money was decent, you know, and it gives me like the opportunity of a lifetime. Like when else would I go to Kazakhstan? That's never going to happen again. Um, but I was very naive at this age. I had absolutely no idea like what the, what the process was here. I didn't have an agent or anything like this. So it was just me, you know, fresh out of university, this like, thinking, wow, like the possibility of maybe achieving that Olympic dream that I had when I was younger that, you know, had obviously kind of drifted away in terms of playing for, for Team Canada, kind of come back on the table. Like, oh my God, like that's, that's so cool. Like, yes, 100%. Like, that's exactly what I want to do. And like I said, young, naive, didn't get a contract, um, but was like still convinced that, that this is, you know, what I was going to end up doing. Um, we were in talks like all summer long and then like two weeks before I would have had to go, they contacted me and said that they decided to go with another goalie instead. And I was absolutely devastated. Like, so I don't know, like the, it was just like a really, really tough time. And, and so, um, yeah, I mean, like I, I let myself feel what I needed to feel. Uh, and at that point I'd had like quite a bit of experience with like, you know, um, like the, the emotional side of the game, I guess. And, and kind of learned that you can't ignore the emotions that come up in sport. And I know it's like first, first thought for many female athletes, I think to like push them down and like try to avoid them and ignore them. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to take the day. I'm just going to feel what I need to feel. And like something else will come like, everything happens for a reason. And this is, this is like the mantra that I come back to when anything happens, good or bad, like everything happens for a reason. So let's figure out what that reason is. And anyway, long story short, uh, got a call from a team in Hungary, like the very next day. And I was like, Oh, okay. So like, they're looking for a goalie to go there, like a U 25 league or whatever. I said, okay, sure. Like they sent me a contract, signed everything. Um, but then they were like, oh, well, like your transfer was rejected because like, apparently I was too good to play in that league. And I was thinking that it was like the highest league in Hungary, which apparently it wasn't. Um, so anyway, restructured everything. They brought me over as a coach. So I ended up going to Hungary, uh, in 
August of uh, 2019. And I coached there for like three months. Quite the experience, I'll say, because I wasn't in Budapest. I was in Hatvan, which is like an hour outside of the big city. And like nobody spoke English there. So that was a challenge in and of itself. And Hungarian is not an easy language to learn. Let me tell you. Um, so yeah, I was there for three months. Things were going okay, but like I really missed playing ultimately. And ironically enough, one of my friends who was playing for the team in CAS, who I actually played against when I was in university, she sent me a message saying that there was a team in Oslo that was looking for a goaltender for their like top women's league. Anyway, I got in contact with them and I said, okay, well, like we both want to see if this is a fit. So like, if you fly me out there, then I'll make the decision within the weekend. Like that's what my goal was. And so they did, they flew me out, uh, had like little practice with them while I was there, got to watch, I think we watched a game as well, got to meet the girls. And honestly, like the second that I got off the plane, I was just like, this is it. Like, this is where I want to be 100%. Like it felt like I was back in Canada. Like the weather was great. It was nice and cold. It was awesome. Um, yeah, but that was kind of the end of that. So after leaving Hungary, I went back to Canada for a couple weeks and got to spend some time with family. And then I was back in Norway and, uh, played out the rest of the season there and we were going to championships and then COVID hit, which was, oh, COVID what a time. Uh, so I ended up like, felt like I was fleeing the country because like once they made that announcement that the borders were closing, like we had to get like a red eye flight out and go back to Canada. So um, yeah, I ended up going back to Canada for five months and then went back over uh, for the next season and had our season canceled early again, like the day before we were supposed to like get into um, playoffs more or less. Um yeah, I also ended up dislocating my knee for the fourth time while I was there and going through an MCL reconstructive surgery. So, yeah, it was that in and of itself was was quite the experience for sure. Could you could you tell me? So I, I, I want I have so many questions that I want to ask now, <laughs> but um, a couple of that stand out to me is, you know, could you tell me a little bit more about the. Uh, you know, the experiences, maybe not necessarily just on the ice internationally, mm -hmm. uh, which is something that not a lot of people uh, may be aware of, but also could you walk me through your injuries and your injury history if it's not, uh, if it doesn't uh, sting too much to talk about? <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Um, maybe it's easier to start with the injury history and then I can get like into, uh, you know, explaining some of the off ice stuff with some of the places that I've been able to, to travel to. But yeah, so I had my very first knee injury. So I've dislocated my knee four times. Uh, same, pretty much same movement every time it's happened. Uh, but the first time was in the summer between my first and second year of university. And I was working with my goalie coach in Hamilton. And we were just, I mean, it was just running through a rep. My mind was telling my body to do one thing and my body just did something completely different. So basically I was going from my right post to my left post. Um, and all of the weight in my knee, like fell onto the ice on my right side. So basically it was like, like this and, uh, felt my knee pop really loud. Not a very fun experience. Uh, ended up having to go to the hospital and they're like, yeah, like you have uh, an MCL tear, but 
like this is the first time and it's not like fully torn. So you're just going to have to like rest it more or less, like do some physio, that kind of stuff. Um, so that was the first time it happened. Second time uh, was, I believe like the following summer also doing training, but it was like not even training. Like I just went down to take a knee and like my knee just gave out all of a sudden and it wasn't nearly as bad as the first time. So it was maybe like, a month or something like this where I had to just take it easy more or less. Uh, third time <laughs> was in my fifth year at school. I was so upset about this because this was our last preseason game before the season started. I was like really playing well. I was super happy with my performances. Um, and for the last game, our coach said, oh, because we had like three pregame uh yeah three preseason games and so we each played one and then split the third one and I was going in the second half of the third game so always a little bit more risky there obviously like not being warm but anyway yeah um was just going from post to post again uh at least it was on like a game save this time it wasn't just like in training but uh yeah I I blew up my knee one more time and had to go uh, go get it looked at again, same exact injury, but nobody ever took me for MRI, like nothing like this. They're just like, yeah, it's, it's just a uh, second degree. So we just have to make sure we get the proper rehab. So I went to physio and, and all these things again. Um, but the time that I was in Norway was like the worst time that I've ever done it. And so, yeah, same exact thing. Like, and this time I got the MRI and they're like, yeah, you're going to have to see a specialist for sure. So go to the specialist. And he said, it's like completely torn. Like it's hanging on by a thread essentially. So we're going to have to do a surgery. Um, I must say my experience with the surgery in a foreign country went far better than I expected it to because in Canada, like if I had done this in Canada, I know it would have been like over a year before I got in for a surgery for sure. Um, but I was in six weeks, I think. So I had my MRI after one week and I did four weeks of like pre-op rehab. Uh, I saw a specialist after five weeks of the injury. And then the week after I saw the specialist, I was in for surgery. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I was like so fast tracked. I was like, wow, this is really good. So yeah. anyway, that was my injury, uh, experience, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, I guess the silver lining is, as you said, uh, the last one, the worst one actually seems to have gone fairly well. Uh, all things. Mm -hmm. considered. Yeah. 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 I was good. I, I had like, I think it was nine months of rehab for that. So I had the MCL reconstruction. So basically what they did was they took my, uh, a ligament from my hamstring and they attached it down to my tibia. So I have like pins holding it in place down there. Um, I was in a leg like a leg uh, brace for like six months and uh, really interesting progression of going through that whole like rehab experience. Um, but yeah, overall it was like, it was really good. And um, yeah, I mean, I played a season afterwards, so I can't complain. <laughs> there you go. Do you think that, um, do you think that your time, uh, if, you know, with injuries and all that sort of stuff, do you think that may have also helped play a part in your current profession? I think for sure. Um, 
mainly because I know like going through those types of injuries can be like really mentally challenging for a lot of people. Uh, like you're going from, you know, being at the rink all the time, being with the team, you're doing the off ice, the on ice, the games. And then all of a sudden, like, you're not able to do any of those things. Like it can be really uh, overwhelming, honestly. Um, and so I, I definitely got a good amount of experience in being able to handle some of those obstacles. Um, but yeah, like I'm a, I'm a huge advocate of like, visualization and healing. So that's actually one thing I did during um, like the healing process from my surgery was like, I would just lay in bed at night and I would just visualize like my knee healing on its own. And, and like, I, I don't know how else to explain. I was like visualizing like the ligaments, like getting stronger and like all of these things. And I just had like a really different perspective going through that after having like the mental training too so uh, maybe versus like if i was younger and a little bit less in, uh, less experienced and and hadn't gone through something like that then maybe i wouldn't have the same perspective um i'm i know like it was pretty detrimental um i was pretty upset in my fifth year <laughs> when like heading into the full season that this happened and it like really blew my last year out of out of the water in that sense but yeah, I mean, I think it definitely does play um, play a role in, in how I handle those things and also gives me like the extra layer of experience to be able to relate to other athletes who are maybe going through something similar too. Yeah, and that, uh, that ability to relate, especially when you're talking about something like uh, mental performance is definitely something that's uh, incredibly helpful to be able to connect mm -hmm. both you as well as the athlete. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So we're going to get a sort of, we're, we're working our way towards your current, uh, role, your current profession, but before we get there, um, you're currently in Germany and mm -hmm. you had mentioned on, um, a recent, uh, pod, your last podcast episode, uh, mm -hmm. if for anyone listening and watching, if you haven't already subscribed Make sure you subscribe to her podcast, The Athletic Mind. Um, you had mentioned that you had laced them up. You hit the ice. Uh, that was the first time you had been back out on the ice, at least in that sort of capacity. Mm -hmm. um, could Before we get into that and where you're at now, what was it like to uh, have to, to ultimately decide to retire from the game? Oh, yeah, that was actually a lot easier than I kind of anticipated it to be. And I think, so basically what happened is like, okay, I, I had that surgery. I had nine months rehab in that time. I moved from Norway to Germany because my, my partner, he's a professional hockey coach. So uh, he got a deal in Germany, which is why we moved in the first place. And I made sure to like make some contacts in the place we were moving, see if maybe I could get on the ice. So I actually ended up practicing with, um, a division four men's club in the North of Germany. So I, I was able to get on and at least practice and kind of slowly move my way back into to playing. And I honestly had kind of thought the only way I'd end up playing is if like the perfect opportunity kind of arose. And then lo and behold, Kazakhstan was looking for a goalie. Uh, so everything all comes back around, I guess at some point. So I ended up going to play in Kazakhstan. Um, but the way that they have it set up is like, you would be, in Europe for like a month so that they're based in Austria 
So I would fly from Germany to Austria, would stay there for about a month. We'd do all of the traveling that we needed to do, and then I'd come back. Um, but they also have like national tournaments in Kazakhstan as well. So we'd be going there for like two weeks at a time. But when I first uh, jumped back on the ice, they didn't have a backup goalie. Like it was just me. I had, I mean, of course I'd been on the ice, but like to be on the ice in the capacity where it's like, you're playing every game, you're in every practice, you don't get a break. It was extremely tough on my body. And then also having like a full-time job outside of that, plus all the travel, like it was a lot to handle. Um, so after the first tour and then also going to Kazakhstan and, and stuff, my body, my mind, emotionally, I was just so exhausted that I told them, I'm sorry, like, but I really can't finish this season. Like as much as I want to, like I, I was at the first two tours, actually not the first, just the first one. So I played the first half of the season, but by the time I got to Christmas, my body was so like run down and tired and like maybe if I was you know, a few years younger and I hadn't had a knee surgery and I, you know, was in a different place, it, I would have been able to pull through with it. But ultimately I knew like I was starting to sacrifice my mental health and I've been down that road before when I was in university. And I said like, I'm very familiar with what I'm feeling and it's not a good thing. And so I apologize, you know, I, I don't want to put a team in that position, but I also did my best to make sure I helped them find someone else to go in the net too. So that was uh, hopefully a good thing for them, but I was just at my, at my end, I couldn't do it anymore. And so ultimately what the decision was is like, I need to put my mental health first. That's, that's just the bottom line. And, and I know there's so many athletes who, who don't want to do that. Right. And not, not in the sense of like, they don't want to put their mental health first, but in hockey, it's team first always. And so like, I'm always coming from that time mentality where it's like, well, I want to do what's good for the team. Um, but if you're sacrificing so much of your mental health for it, like you do need to take some time to step back and like reevaluate what's most important. Uh, because if you don't have your mental health, then you're not going to have your performance, which is something that I've also learned too. So uh, yeah, it was pretty easy decision to make. It was like tough in the sense that I didn't really want to make that decision, but yeah, it, I couldn't justify it at that point. And now a word from our sponsor. I would like to take a moment to talk about our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code THPN. New customers can get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. Please play responsibly. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gambling resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2023. All rights reserved. And now, back to the show. 
No, but good for you for being able, like you said, not a lot of people would be able to, you know, uh, prioritize or would want to prior prioritize themselves over a potential, you know, uh, opportunity to continue your playing career. And, and you, you had, you, 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 you put your foot down and you said, no, I'm, I, I, like you said, I've been down this road. I know the, how I know how I'm feeling and you prioritize yourself, which then has uh, obviously translated to uh, a great uh, mental performance coach career. Um, could you tell me a little bit more uh, about your, first of all, your, uh, your time in Germany, but what it's been like to translate all of your skills to, uh, to becoming a, a mental uh, performance coach? Yeah, um, so I've actually been in Germany now for close to three years, which is kind of crazy to think. It doesn't feel like it's been that long. Um, and I've actually only been in Europe for five. So yeah, I was in Norway for two and now here for three. Um, the international experience is something else, I, I must say. So my time in Norway, um, in terms of like the off-ice stuff, like it was really beautiful place to go highly recommend anybody to go there like if anybody asks me what my favorite place in the world is like i always say norway like it's there's there's no better view that you will get um the people there are really nice it, the language is actually pretty easy to learn honestly um and yeah like the standard of living is like really high like the healthcare system like i said is top-notch education is also good um Got to experience some pretty cool things, like in terms of like traditional things there. So uh, on the 17th of May, they have what they call Sutton Mai. So it's their, um, it's their constitution day in Norway. And they all get dressed up in traditional robes. So for, for the gals, they're wearing their bunan. And so I actually got to get one myself and do like festivities with the team and, and stuff. So that was like really cool experience um, in terms of like, getting to experience some cultural traditions. Um, moving to Germany was kind of tough actually, because we moved to the Northern part of Germany. German is not a very easy language to learn in my experience. Um, and in the North, there's not a ton of English speaking people. So that's also like a pretty big challenge. Um, yeah, Germany is a beautiful place though. And so I was living in the North now in the South. So it's much more English speaking down here, which is kind of nice. And um, I'm, doing my best to learn a little bit also because I'm helping to coach a, a team here in Robinsburg as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the biggest difference between Germany and like home or even like Norway and some of the places that I visited is that like physical currency is still a very big thing here, which I find absolutely insane. Like there's some places where you can't use a card and that blows my mind all the time. Um, and like everything's closed on Sundays. It was also the same in Norway, but it's just like you have to really plan ahead. And there's been times where like they'll have a red day after a Sunday or like before a Sunday. And I'm like, I don't have any food in my house. But now all of a sudden the store is closed for two days, you know, so you really have to do like prepare properly. Um, but yeah, it, it's been like really awesome experience and is really like helped me um, develop more as a person, I would think, too. Uh, I do my best, you know, to try to learn a little bit of the language where I go. So like I've, I've learned some Norwegian. I know a little bit of German. Um, my partner is Finnish, so I'm taking like intensive Finnish courses. So I, I know more Finnish than, than any other language as a second language. But yeah, it's been kind of crazy, honestly. Um, 
but it's taught me a lot about the world. It's opened my eyes to a lot of different things, which has been really, really nice. I think it's not necessarily um, experience that many people get to have in their lifetime. So I'm, I'm so, so grateful for everything. And to think it all started in Brantford, Ontario. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, before we get to your awesome podcast, um, I want to say first or again, how much I appreciate you taking the time. As you've mentioned off the top, this is a late night for you, but I appreciate you uh, you hanging out with me again. This has been a long time coming and I've been really looking forward to this. So uh, this has been so much fun. It's great to hear from you, about you, all that sort of stuff. So once again, just wanted to say thank you for uh, for joining the show today. No, thanks. It's, it's so nice to just sit back and have a conversation about some of my experiences instead of being the one hosting them and always asking questions about everybody else. It doesn't happen very often. <laughs> yes, it's my gift to you. Um, I, <laughs> yes, I want to know a little bit about, uh, I have one more question before we get into your podcast. Mm-hmm. I want to know a little bit about your thoughts on, you had touched on it briefly uh, earlier, but the PWHL and how you think that's going to change the trajectory for a lot of women looking to continue playing in the sport of hockey? It's already making huge impact, I think. And I remember like I watched the inaugural game and I like watching from Germany on like terrible connection where it's like bugging out here and there, but I was like still filled with so much emotion, like watching that entire experience because Obviously, if I was maybe a little younger or maybe if I was still living in in Canada, that would be something I would aspire to be doing. Like I've played with some of those girls and played against some of those girls. And I know like the caliber of hockey that it is. And it just really blows my mind to see like how great of reception that it has gotten, especially after everything that kind of happened with the uh, the PHF and the merge or takeover and, and all these things. And and that's a story for another day, I think. But ultimately, like, I'm so happy to see the success that it's had thus far. And like, just for women's sports overall, like it's starting to get so much more recognition and traction. And I think that it's a long time coming and seeing some of the signs that these like young girls have, like it just, it just fills my heart with so much joy to see like, they have role models that they can look up to and like they can aspire to be like some of the girls who, who I've played with. Like, I think that's such a beautiful thing. And like, I'm getting chills right now. Like just like saying this, but like, I remember being that age, not having anybody like in the female space to really look up to in that sense. Like we only had national national team and that was really it. So now it's not just national team. Now it's, you have U sports, you have NCAA, you can go and play division three in the U S now you have PWHL. And now like, I think some of the European leagues aren't seeing as, as many uh, imports now, but there's still so many opportunities here in Europe as well. And I think it's just like, I don't know. It's just like such a great thing to see that all these little girls have like these amazing role models to look up to in places that they, they want to go at some point. So I'm really happy about it. Yeah. And I think, you know, I know that for some, it may have sounded like a very cliched question and something that, you know, probably, uh, you know, I I have the, I'm fortunate enough to be able to interview PWHL Ottawa players and stuff like that. And, 
And this is a question that I always, I often ask. And I know, again, some people will find it cliched because it's like, come on, it's time to move on from that question. But I think no. your answer absolutely highlights why, like, let's relish in this moment. Let's ask those questions because this is an incredible moment for women's hockey. And that's why I think asking this question and gaining different perspectives um, and just giving you a moment to celebrate, like, that's what this is all about, right? Like, you find, like, so many women have worked so hard to get to this point. And if we don't give them that opportunity to be able to share their story, or what this meet, this moment means to them, then I feel like we're, we're kind of, uh, we're pushing that aside. And, and women's hockey has been pushed aside for far too long. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It has been. And, and honestly, like, whether you're playing in the PWHL or not, whether you are currently playing or maybe you're retired or like maybe you only played for a couple of years or maybe you're like a hockey mom and you had to take your kid to the rink all the time. Like all of these people should be celebrating and be celebrated because without all of those people, like you wouldn't have what we have today. So I really do think that it's not like, it shouldn't be a cliched question. Like it's something that you should be asking everyone and everybody should be like so filled with emotion at the fact that this is a reality now that's, yeah, I think it's, I don't know. I think it's a great question. Oh man. Uh, your answers keep giving me chills. Um, <laughs> uh, so I have, we we're just uh, kind of winding down now. Only a few more questions. Once again, thank you. I know this has gone on a little bit longer than I promised you it would. Um, so, <laughs> um, but I think it's really important right now to highlight your podcast. So again, uh, it's called The Athletic Mind. Uh, I want to give you an opportunity. I'm going to shut up and I want to give you an opportunity to just talk about your your show, the inspiration behind it. And uh, yeah, uh, fill in the, the listeners to, to, uh, to what they can expect from your show. Yeah, absolutely. So I like to say it's like your go-to podcast for everything mental performance and if you want to improve your mental game. Um, I know like a lot of people are really like interested in like Huberman Lab, for example, and like great show. Absolutely love it. The unfortunate part is a lot of those like protocols are super scientific and not necessarily easy to implement all the time. And honestly, like I know so many people don't want to sit and listen to like the scientific background on all the things. So um, basically what I try and do with the podcast is to bring some of these like hot topics forward to be able to provide like very simple strategies for people to start to implement in their own performance, whether that's like doing goal setting or like tracking your progress and being focused on more of the controllable aspects and just talking a lot more about like the things that I never really knew about when I was in, in hockey, for example. And we talk like a lot about um, some certain how to handle certain situations, for example, like I just had one about how to navigate career decisions and also how to handle bad coaches. Um, it's a lot about athlete development. It's not necessarily just mental uh, performance. It's also mental health. I'm working on bringing on some some more guests with diverse backgrounds. So not necessarily just from hockey, although a lot of them are from the hockey space. Um, but I want it to be relatable for all athletes, not just for hockey players. Um, so, yeah, I just I try to really pull a lot of like from my experiences like I have today and bring them forward to share them in hopes that maybe it can provide some insights to people who are going through a similar situation or to help them in their own sports journey. Um, the podcast has now been going on for two years. So actually, I think it's like two years this month 
actually, which is kind of crazy. So uh, it actually started out as like uh, a personal project of mine while I was working with a different company that I had gotten my uh, mental coaching certification with. And I had a co-host who was also like hockey background. Now she's coaching, I believe, in Calgary, I think. Um, but she's no longer hosting, unfortunately. She's awesome gal, but also like crazy busy. And like the, the time difference, as we've already experienced, is pretty difficult at times. So, uh, yeah. So basically, it's just a, a spot where it's, again, more uh, like performance-based tools that are a little bit easier to implement on a daily basis, being able to like really understand the concepts and apply them, not just on the ice, not just on the court, but also outside as well. Like I'm much more uh, prone to looking at like the overall athlete rather than just like sports specific stuff. So uh, yeah, that's, that's really what it's, what it's all about. I would love if everybody would go take a listen, share it with an athlete that you love, all of those fun things. Um, and if you're interested in any mental coaching, then feel free to check out my website, taylor-minds.com. Um, would love to, to have a conversation. doesn't have to go anywhere, but would love to have a conversation and, and give a little bit more information on like what mental performance coaching actually is, because there's a lot of uh, misconceptions and kind of confusion about what what that actually is, unfortunately. Yeah, and I've, uh, I've listened to, uh, I think, four or five episodes now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and every time, like every time I see it uh, in my feed, I will absolutely prioritize it. It's uh, like you said, what's great about it is that it isn't specific to a player. Um, it's very much something that even myself, who isn't a player, can take there's something everyone can take away from from every one of your episodes so they're absolutely fantastic make sure uh subscribe like share and give a five-star review it's super easy so just make sure you do, mm-hmm. uh, you do that for taylor um i want to know especially as someone who's now new into the podcasting landscape how was your the transition from a playing career uh some coaching as you've mentioned and now uh, a lot more into the uh, you continue or you are continuing your coaching career, but also uh, what, what's it been like to translate all that sort of stuff uh, over into the podcasting landscape? Oof. That's tough. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I started kind of the, the transitional space in terms of uh, getting certified as a mental coach while I was still playing in Norway. So I, I went through that whole process while I was there. Um, and I was, again, thinking like career after sports because I need to have something that I actually enjoy doing and I'm not like punching a nine to five, like absolutely hating my life. So um, that's what where it all started. And then once I was certified, once I'd gone through and like worked with some some clients and and got much more confident in like developing those skills as a coach that you need, because uh, it takes time, just like being on the ice and, and improving any sort of technical still skills. It's like reps, 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 like you have to be practicing. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was just thinking, you know, how great would it be to have a podcast where we can talk about all of those things, like in our experiences, because like I said, there's so much value to gain from talking about those experiences. And that's when that brain child just kind of like plopped in there one day and I thought, okay, like I can do something like with this, like, this is really good. Um, and I just kind of went with it. And honestly, like it's gone through a lot of phases. 
uh, it actually started with three hosts. So it was like me and two of my uh, former colleagues that I was working with at the time, we had all started out doing this. And um, then one person had to drop off because they got busy. And then, you know, just recently, I think it was in October, Lauren had to, to drop off because she was getting busy. And I'm like, oh, do I like continue doing this on my own? Like, but I've done a podcast actually on my own before actually doing this, which was actually called Tailored Minds, in all honesty. Uh, don't have it anymore. And I think maybe it's still on Spotify. Someone actually sent me a message the other day. They're like, oh, I listened to your podcast about imposter syndrome. And I was like, I don't have a podcast about imposter syndrome, <laughs> but it was like a former episode from, from my tailored minds podcast. Um, anyway. Yeah. It's, it's been like an interesting transition. Um, but I know like this is a place that I need to be. Like, I absolutely love being in the coaching space. I love talking with athletes. I love being able to bring experience and information to them to be able to help them get to their next goal. Because like, that's my goal is to help you get to yours, you know? Nice. Another great answer. Uh, We're going to move now into the final segment. And for our listeners, uh, you know that the final segment is always a good old fun game of 20 questions that isn't actually 20 questions. Um, And so I'm going to go through that with you uh, right now, Taylor. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Um, So some of this goes back to your playing days. Um, but I mean, we can make it whatever you're, we can figure out a way to make it work in this space anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your go-to pregame meal? It would depend on like when the game was actually. So if I knew we had like an early afternoon game, I would have like eggs and toast in the morning. Um, but if it was an evening game, usually I would make sure I had like a, a light pasta or something beforehand. It's funny how many uh, you think it's you think that it's a like a like a stereotypical like pasta is a stereotypical cliched uh, hockey sort of meal. But Mm -hmm. everyone I speak to, it's always pasta. And it's it's just a mixture of which like some people do Alfredo sauce. Other people do uh, pasta sauce. What, What do you do? What do you put on yours? Oh, it's been such a long time. I mean, like sometimes it was just like having like butter and parmesan like it wasn't like anything oh, wow. crazy I, I like to have like a really really light feeling in my stomach I don't like to eat a lot before I play so that's usually why I didn't really eat a ton but I would eat like a decent amount to like feel happy and then that was it yeah this segment this question also always makes me really hungry so um do you when you were playing did you have any superstitions or pregame rituals that you were like, I have to make sure I do this or I feel like I'm going to lose the game? No. And you might be surprised by that because I feel like of all the people to have something like that is usually the goalies. Like goalies mm-hmm. are weirdos, you know? Yeah. Um, but no, I feel like having those superstitions like kind of held me back in that sense. And I think that it holds a lot of athletes back because they base their – like perception of how they're going to play on something that's not even relevant to what's about to happen. Um, So yeah, like I really, I didn't have superstitions. I had routines and rituals, but didn't necessarily do them every single time either. Like I said, I'm a very intuitive player. uh, So I do it if I feel like I need to. And if I don't feel like I need to, then I won't. Good answer. Um, You 
kind of touched on this previous or prior, but I still want to uh, kind of maybe expand on it a little bit. But what do you enjoy most about being a mental performance coach and what has it taught you? I just love helping other people, honestly. Like that's like one of my favorite things to do. Like even when I was uh, when I was like younger, um, a lot of my teammates, if they had like issues or something, like they needed some advice, like I was oftentimes the person that they would come to. So I feel like I'm like kind of known as the person who was able to to give you advice and be a good ear to listen to. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's taught me it's taught me a lot, especially about like who I am as a person. Honestly, uh, it's taken me down. Um, a lot of very deep personal work, which uh, never really crossed my mind when I was in university. So I've uh, been able to work through a lot of things that maybe used to like trigger me, for example. And now I'm actually able to recognize like, okay, like this is something I need to be aware of or need to take time to, to do this or, or whatever the case is. But it's, it's taught me a lot about, about myself, but, excuse me. And also how to like properly carry myself too and in, in interacting with other people. Okay. Fair. Um, what does Taylor cook do to relax and unwind after a long day? Mm. <laughs> and that's, that's now, that's now, not when you were, not when you were a player, but now. Yeah. Now, I don't know. I feel like these days, like by the time I'm finished work, like I just eat food and watch it, watch a TV show right now. That's, I don't have the mental capacity to read at, in the evenings anymore. Um, so yeah, I usually try to like get up early and have like my relaxed time in the morning actually. So usually I get up early, have a coffee, read a little bit, and then I start my work day. Okay. Sure. Uh, and what do you miss most about back home? Oh, that's a good one. I mean, of course, family, family is always number one, family and friends. Um, I'm like, Maybe fun fact, I've actually only been in Canada for two weeks in the last five years. So um, I'm going to be going home in the summer. I'm really excited about it. But yeah, I mean, outside of family and friends, uh, Canadian bacon, absolutely miss Canadian bacon a lot. Maybe some poutine, like just Canadian style foods. Um, so good. I don't know. No, that's that's great. Sometimes it's you don't realize it when you get it all the time that you're going to miss it when it's not here. But Putin is that's a, a mm. fantastic answer. Absolutely. So yeah. yeah. Nowhere else is it done nearly as well as it do, it's done here in Canada. Uh, yeah, I had it in northern Germany at like a restaurant that claimed to have Canadian poutine. It was awful. Not even, Nothing not like even. Canadian poutine. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic um taylor once again thank you so much for joining me today uh i've said this countless times uh this is an interview that i was really looking forward to being able to to take part in uh, and i've been so excited about it this has been so much fun so once again thank you so much for joining me today no oh, thanks so much for having me it's been a, a pleasure to be here and it's been so much fun for me too good i'm glad and there you have it for Taylor Cook, I'm Chris Sinclair, and this has been episode number six of the Rinkside Rundown podcast. Cheers. <laughs>